Today we're going to be talking about peace. Pastor Eddie talked last week about joy. And I, I hope you're still holding on to that. Uh, it's, it's interesting, you know, when we get into a sermon series like this, it's so easy to move on and to lose the cumulative effect of what's supposed to be happening as we process uh, week by week by week. And so my hope is that you, you can kind of go back and review the notes on love and go back and review your notes on joy as you consider today as we, what we talk about uh, regarding peace. This week was an interesting week for me. My, my wife was out of town, so I had our four kids. And um, so interesting is a euphemism for uh, terribly overwhelming. Uh, <laughs> it was a terribly overwhelming week for me. Single mamas. Um, I, I, oh. We've got some single dads in our congregation too. I have no earthly idea. I almost died this week <laughs> is really, is really about how bad it was. I, I was, yeah, it was, it was hard. It was hard. It was, it was a lot. And, um, my kids are good and they're healthy and it was too much for me and snow days. Now I know my, now, now I know why my mom didn't like them. Um, it's, it's a lot. Um, but it got me thinking, actually, about fruit. And I'm sitting here, and I'm like, I'm supposed to preach on fruit of peace. <laughs> I got none. <laughs> I was like, it has flown the coop. Whatever peace I had is a distant memory. And um, I'm not even sure I know what peace is. I started looking it up, and I'm like, what is, what is peace? I don't even remember. Like last Saturday, I was like, oh, great. I get to talk about peace. Peace is awesome. I've got tons of it. I've got so much to share. By Monday night, I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't even, am I saved? <laughs> like, I don't know that I'm qualified to minister, much less to talk about peace. Um, but, you know, God took this moment to, to remind me. Uh, of something, that there are different kinds of fruit. So, so fruit, when we talk about the fruit of the Holy Spirit, is the result of the Holy Spirit's working out of our lives. So it's the overflow of the Holy Spirit in our life. And, and I, I realized this week that there are several different kinds of fruit. Uh, one kind of fruit is, is fake fruit. It's that stuff that looks on the table that's real appetizing, and, and, you, and you're like, oh, I wonder if that's real, because I could go for an orange right now. And then you pick it up, and you're like, dang it, got tricked. Somebody tricked me. It's wax, right? It's an apple. It's a fake apple. Now, the fake fruit is the fruit in our lives that we just present as if everything's good. Like I did this week. I had fake fruit this week. Actually, I had the second kind of fruit. I'll get to that in just a second. But we can just fake like everything's okay, grabbing on, trying to create an appearance that everything's good and everything's straight. You, you with me? The second kind of fruit is unripe fruit, not yet ripe. And that's what I think I am. The, 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 I've got, I have a measure of peace in my life that's present a lot of the time, but it's not yet ripe. And, and sometimes you don't know the difference between something that's not yet ripe and something that's ripe until you what? You, you, you bite it. Sometimes you, sometimes you squeeze it a little bit. Sometimes you thump it. And if you're looking for a watermelon, you just got to thump it. I still don't know what I'm listening for, but I do it. <laughs> Just because it just seems right. Somebody who looked like they knew what they were doing with a watermelon did it. And I was like, yeah, of course. We're going to find out it does nothing. We're going to find out it just bruises them or something. <laughs> but, uh, but that unripe fruit is that, that, 
that character that's beginning to develop in your life, but it's not yet come to its full readiness. Right? And so, yes, I have peace in my life and I have a measure of peace in my life, but I took some thumps this week and I got some squeezing this week and I got a taste this week and I was like, oh, (laughs) it needs a little more time. I need to go in a brown paper bag (laughs) and just hide. (laughs) And then you've got the ripe fruit and the ripe fruit is, is delicious and it's ready and it's full and it's not unripe. It's, it's completely ready there in the moment. The fruit is present and at its fullness of, in its fullness of measure, what it is supposed to be. And I would say that at some level, we're all unripe fruit moving towards ripe to walk into the fullest measure of fruitfulness in Jesus Christ that he's desired for us to be at. So that, that's what's fruit. And we're looking at Galatians 5.22 that says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So be, and we're going to be looking at um, Philippians chapter 4 today. Uh, but, but first I want to just answer the question about, about peace. So we know what fruit is. And so now we're going to talk about this fruit of peace. What, what is peace? So often, what we think of when we think of peace is the absence of stress and the absence of trouble, right? Like when we want peace, what I wanted this week is I really just wanted to be left alone. (laughs) And I thought that would give me peace. But really, what that would have done is it would have left me by myself with my own anxious self, by my own unsettled, unpeaceful self, but just by myself, with no one else to blame but me, I still would have blamed everybody else, but it would have been because they bothered me earlier and that's why I am not peaceful now because I'm, I'm peaceful. <laughs> peaceful. Um, but biblical peace isn't just the absence of difficulty. In fact, it's oftentimes not the absence of difficulty. Biblical peace is, it, 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 the, the absence of a thing is, is maybe a portion of, of what is available to us, but, but really biblical teeth, or biblical, biblical peace has teeth. It's, it's, an, it's an aggressive restfulness. How's that for an idea? Like a, like a, like a solid rest. In the United States, we use the word peace to describe it. But in other languages, they use more descriptive language to describe the concept that we have for the biblical word peace. They'll use words like sitting down in your heart or being at complete rest. And I think those word pictures are helpful for us when we consider, when we consider it's not just the absence of things, but maybe while everything is going crazy that we're still sitting down in our hearts. Not stubbornly, not with our arms crossed but at peace, at at rest, being at stillness. So let's look together at Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. We're going back to the same verses we looked at last week. If you could stand to your feet, we'll read this together. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, 
which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. God, that's what we want. We want for your peace to be with us. We want for your Holy Spirit to reside in us in such a way that it produces stillness in the midst of chaos, rest in the midst of busyness. We love and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Really what I want to talk about the most today is about cultivating peace. As peace is something that, as fruit of the Spirit is something that comes from the work of the Spirit in our lives, it's not something that we produce, it's something that God produces in us, we still have a responsibility to cultivate the peace that he produces in us. And so today's emphasis is going to be, how do we cultivate the peace of God in our lives? I love how this starts out. He says, rejoice in the Lord. And I'll say rejoice. And you talked about that last week. But then he says, the Lord is at hand. This idea of the Lord being at hand is oftentimes used to scare or intimidate us into good behavior. Anybody feel that way? You're like, God's watching. You better, you better be right. You better act right. The Lord is near. He's coming. But really what this is, this is great news. This is tremendous news that's being shared with the people in Philippi. He's he's saying the Lord is at hand. The Lord is near. You don't have to trouble yourselves because he's drawn close to you. You don't have to worry because God is God is drawing near by his loving kindness and through his faithfulness, he's close to us. And this is an encouraging thing. It's an exciting thing. And so, so Paul goes further. He says, the Lord is at hand. So don't be anxious about everything, but instead talk to him. Talk to him. There's more than enough to be anxious about. There's more than enough to be stressed about. And as we go into this holiday season, there's, I know there's, there's pressure and family obligation and, and budgets and money and all the things that kind of flood in and try and capture our attention and our affection and our devotion. And, and it makes it hard to focus or concentrate or, or be attentive and, and present for all the things that need us, that, that really truly need us. And he's saying, God is right here. Talk to him. And I think sometimes that's the last thing that we remember to do. It's like, I'm stressed out, so I want to I wanna go t- tell my wife about it. And, hey, mate, this is a problem. I don't even know what I'm going to do. And she's, she's like, well, I mean, okay, because she can't fix it either. So she's like, okay, well, here's some problems that I see, you know. And, and then we just kind of like make a pile of problems together. And we're like, well, that's really, we're going to die. <laughs> this is, we're done. We, there's this, we can't handle this. And then it's like, so let's go tell someone else. Let's go tell somebody else about all the problems we found. Hey, JC, you wouldn't believe the problems that we found and the things that we can't do and the things that are beyond our ability and the things that are coming at us and the pressure that I have. Like, that's my pressure. Now, JC's a spirit-led man, so he's going to say, go pray. 
Go talk to God. I can't help you. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I can encourage you where you are. But the Lord's at hand. So this isn't a threat or an intimidating statement. This is a promise that he's near. And because the Lord is near, you ought to talk to him. Because he can settle it. And this remarkable thing happens as we pray, as we talk to God, as we pour out these anxieties and these concerns through prayer and supplication, through, through talking to him and through, through pouring out and asking him to come, beseeching him. It says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So as we empty ourselves of these anxieties before God, he is faithful then to guard our hearts and minds. What I love about this is it says it's the peace of God. And, and I think it, it kind of struck me in a, in a new way this week because, because it wasn't about my peace being manifested. It wasn't about my peace at all. It was all about the peace of God. And actually what's funny is my spell check got this wrong all week, both in, in the presentation that you're seeing now and also in the, in the document that I was t- typed my outline in. It, it was like, it kept calling it a piece of God, P-I-E-C-E, in a, the peace of God. And it's like, you know what? That's exactly what I do need. I need a piece of God. I need a piece of him to come and just dwell in me and produce the peace that I need. And so God gave us the biggest peace of himself and his son, Jesus Christ, who poured out his blood and we've got his blood to cover us. And now we have peace. He didn't give us just a piece of himself. He gave him the fullness of himself. And because he gave the fullness of himself, we have peace, not just a piece pretty fun, huh? It encouraged me. So when you run out of peace, there's always more peace because it's not yours, it's his. And we have a God who doesn't run out of supply. But here's where the peace is. It's in Christ Jesus. And so in today's age, there's a lot of, do we serve the same God or do we serve different gods? And, and you know, is, is, why is Jesus so exclusive? Well, because he, he's the only one who died and rose from the dead. He doesn't want to include any gods who were incapable of doing that. And so he's like, I'm the only one who's done this, and I'm the only one who will do it. So I'm not sharing this title. I'm not sharing this responsibility. I'm the one who holds all things together. Nobody else is holding all things together. I'm the one who spoke everything into existence. Everybody else messes with my existence. So I'm not sharing my, I'm not sharing my platform. I'm not sharing my throne. I'm not sharing my name. I'm not sharing my title. And so it's not generally found in God. It's not generally found in the universe, but it's found in the person of Jesus Christ. And so, you know, sometimes I think that we, we forget that this, this, this huge idea of what God is was, was really fulfilled, com- became flesh and walked in the form of a man. And so when we think about needing our peace, that's the man that we should be going to. That's the person that we should be going to because he's the one who's able to satisfy and fill us and, and, and to give us the peace that we so desperately need. One of the things that, that's pretty fascinating to me is this, this word guard. It says, and he will guard your hearts and minds. Paul wrote this letter while he was imprisoned. 
And so maybe he has this idea of guards on his mind because he's got people standing out the house and nobody else can get to him and he can't get to anybody else because the guards are between him and the, and the natural world. He could send, he could send letters out, but, but the, he wasn't going anywhere and nobody else was getting in because he was imprisoned. And he, so he uses this illustration of God guarding our hearts and mind. This shield of faith in the person of Jesus Christ standing out ahead of us, not allowing the chaos and the discomfort of everything swirling around us to actually get in and penetrate our heart and mind. It's the difference between knowing that it's going on and what's going on taking the seat of the throne in your heart or taking seat in the throne of your heart and ruling and reigning over your thoughts and your mind and your emotions. So, in the, you know, we could talk about the elections. We could go backward or we could go forward to talk about this. But if you think about all the news and things that are swirling, it's the difference between knowing that those, that those things that are chaotic are, are happening and those things actually happening and happening in, in swirling and in, in creating havoc and chaos inside of you. And God wants to set up a guard post outside of you. And a lot of this is leading up, leading up to this part right here for today. There's so much that could be said about this. I'm, I, I struggled all week to figure out how little I could say about that and still kind of get there. But this is what I wanted to focus on. Paul tells the, Paul tells the church, he says, Brothers, whatever's true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, think about these things. He even goes so far as to say, if there's any excellence, any, if you can find any at all, Look for it and think about it. If there is anything worthy of praise, if you, can, if you can consider anything that is praiseworthy, consider that. Ponder that. Turn your heart towards it. Put your thoughts to it. Uh, John, could you go ahead and help me get this, get this stuff out? Um, he said, think about these things. It's kind of like when, when moms used to say, if you, can't, if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. You know, that kind of, you know, really helpful saying that resulted in a lot of silence from me <laughs> for, for, for a lot of years. Um, but as we, um, so he's saying, he's saying, don't think about all these other things. We have this thing, it's called a negativity bias. Do you know about the negativity bias? It's basically all these studies have shown that humans uh, focus more on the negative things than on positive things. Bad news strikes us more permanently than good news. That's why it's important to be in a small group. That's why it's important to come to church as often as you can, to be here on Sunday morning, to be a part of the gathered body. Because, Because you will remember the bad things and the hard things much more strongly than you'll remember the good things. I can just share from my week this week that that's absolutely true. I forgot that everything, I forgot everything good. I just remembered spills and dirt and dirty carpet and not all the things I wasn't doing, not the smiles and the giggles and the laughs and the hugs, right? The hard thing was drowning out the good thing. And we have this negativity bias where we remember the bad things more easily than we remember the good things. And they say anywhere from a five to one to eight to one ratio that we lose, that we, that we need to hear good things to bad things. And so that's why we ought to probably read our Bible every day to get some good news to, uh, to outweigh the bad news that's coming at us. 
And so he's, he, he lists these, he lists these eight things and he's, and he's saying that, you know, you, you ought to think about these things. And this is why I think this is true. What we're supposed to be is, is filled and we're supposed to have the fruit of peace in our life. Certainly if you're a believer and you've drawn near to Jesus, you ought to be filled with peace. The fruit, of the, the fruit of God is not what you do, but it's what he does in you. It's what he produces in you. It's what's available to you. But what we do is actually oftentimes what we start doing is we start thinking about things that are, things that are troubling. And we start thinking about the bad news. And we start thinking about that person who's getting that promotion that we wanted. And we start thinking about, and we start thinking about the, the bills that are going to come due three years from now. I can't tell you how many times I've thought about my roof that's going to need to get repaired someday. Amen. I can't tell you about the things in my car that might break down sometime. Not even broken down right now. They're just breaking down. It's going to break down someday. So that's a problem for me today. You with me? You tracking? You following? Shout out a problem. What's a problem you got? Paying for college education. For college education. Yes, Lord. I got nothing for that. Okay. Somebody else? Anybody else got something to stress them out? Schoolwork you're behind on. Yes. Work-life balance. I don't even know what that is, so I'm not going to put this one in. (laughs) Children. Just just children completely. So we're supposed to be filled with peace, but what happens is we start meditating on all the things that are bad. That person who got elected, that person you don't like, that, that election that's going to happen in two years. You're like, you're like freaking out. You're like, well, there's an election coming in two years. Don't you know the sky is falling? What's going to happen? The, the economy, oh, the trade, the tariffs, the, the Chinese talks. There's so much to be worried about and so much to be concerned about. So we should worry and we should be concerned. Actually, I had a ton of balls. I didn't bring them all out. Because I didn't think it was going to be that much fun. <laughs> I was kind of, I'm going to do that after church. I'm just going to go home and item by item, just like what's stressing me out. Now, here's what thinking about, this is what thinking about things that are pure and true and honorable and just and lovely and commendable does. Here's the thing about us. The thing about God is that he's infinite. He's, he's without limit. And there is no limit to the amount of peace. There is no limit to the amount of love and faithfulness that he has. Here's the thing about us. There is a limit. And we have a certain, we have a finite mind. And we have a finite capacity. Especially on this side of life. That, that there's only so much that we can think about and so much that we can process and so much that we can wrestle with and so much that we consider at one time. And so Paul, recognizing our limitations, recognizing the limits of our ability to process enough things, he's like, hey, I'll tell you what I want you to think about. I want you to think about the things that are going to bring you life. I want you to think about the things that are true. I want you to think about the things that are lovely and honorable. Here's what I want you to think about. I want you to think about anything that's worthy of praise and any excellence that you can find. And I want you to consider that God is bigger and more capable and more powerful. I've got a a bigger mess to clean up than I thought I would. But family, we have a limited capacity to be able to consider 
everything around us. And, and we've got this negativity bias that we need to overcome, otherwise it'll overwhelm. And we'll find ourselves filled with thoughts of fat, doubt and fear and uncertainty and insecurity instead of peace and rest and fullness and wholeness and that comprehensive wellness that the, that the peace of God brings with it and produces in us. But it requires a certain level of cooperation to cultivate the peace that God has in us. We just, we, we, we have to work against our natural inclination. And he knows that. And so he follows up with this. He says, so what you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, you've seen me exercise this, he's saying. You know that I'm walking in this, he's saying. I'm in prison now. And I'm telling you, don't consider my imprisonment. There's nothing, that's not good. Don't consider these difficulties. Don't consider these change. But consider the love of God. Consider the power of the Holy Spirit working in you. Consider the faithfulness of God to be, to follow through on what he said he would do. And that's what he invites us into. And he say, so he says, as you've learned and received and heard and seen these things in me, practice these things and walk in them. So it's not just a matter of thinking about things that are lovely and true and good and honorable. But it's now he's saying, don't just think about it. Don't just consider it. But as you've thought about it, as you've considered it, walk in it, produce it, practice it, exercise it, live it, try it out. And there's no better place, no better time to start trying to walk out and, and operate in the excellence that God has given us than with one another. That is, in fact, when we know that it's being produced, when it shows up with each other. Because, because I've got, I'm full of all of those things when I'm by myself. I'm full of truth and honor and patience. I'm full of the fruit of God when I'm, when I'm all alone. But it really becomes evidence that it's fruit. It really becomes evidence that it's God working through me and not just fake fruit when it's manifested among others. I want to do something today. Reggie, can you come up? I'd love for you to, to play for me. I want to take just a, just a couple of minutes. And I want to encourage you to tell Jesus about the anxious places in your life. I want to practice that here together as a family. For just, just a couple of minutes, we're not going to sing any, we're not going to sing a song. Just with him playing, I, I, you could take out your smartphone. You can, if you're, if you got your journal, you can journal something. But I, I want you to take a moment and just in the presence of God, in this room with your family, acknowledge the anxious thoughts in your heart. And then we're going to pour them out together by prayer and supplication. We're going to give them to God so that we can go into this week with a, with a clean slate, having emptied ourselves of our anxious thoughts, filled ourselves with the peace and presence of God.
Father, I thank you that you're here among us today. You're not a God who's distant that we need to go on a journey to find you. We don't have to climb a mountain to find you. We don't need to search the bottom of the ocean to get to you. We don't have to understand space or do space exploration to know your goodness and your love. We don't have to check off boxes of good deeds or give a certain amount of money or travel to a special place. We don't even have to sacrifice to get to you because you sacrificed to get to us. So God, knowing that you're right here in this room, we hand over our anxious thoughts to you. We hand over our uncertainty about the future, our disappointments about the past, our fears about the present. And we invite you to fill us afresh. Fill us afresh, God. As you are what is most true. You are truth and you are honor and you are just. You are pure, you're lovely. You're most commendable. You're fully excellent and you're completely worthy of praise. So we set our hearts and minds on you. Mindful of you, the creator of heaven and earth. who willingly makes himself available to us. You make yourself knowable. You make yourself followable. So God, we hand those things over to you and we ask that you would fill us afresh and that your peace would reign in our hearts and minds, even in the midst of the circumstance that we may be facing. So that even as David prayed that you prepare a table for him in the midst of his enemies, that we would be able to sit down and enjoy peaceful meals and peaceful rest, even when everything hasn't settled yet. Because you, God, are guarding our hearts and minds. So we trust you with that. We trust you with our hearts. We trust you with our minds. We trust you with our retirements, with our bank accounts. We trust you with our relationships. We trust you with our pains. We trust you with our hurts. We trust you with our grades. We trust you with our plans. 
because you're the God who never runs out. And you're the God who's always and forever at hand. We love and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen.